0: Women Taking the Lead, episode 214. Just keep trying stuff. It's so much fun to explore. It's an adventure and people need a hand. And every time I'm in front of CEOs and they have an aha moment because of the exercises and stuff we put them through, it's just celebratory, but I don't know where we're going with it. And so I'm an adventurer who tinkers and tries, and I would urge people to tinker and try and test and all of a sudden they'll have an aha moment too.
1: Hello, my name is Jody Flynn, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Have you grabbed your copy of my best selling book, Accomplished How to Go From Dreaming to Doing? Head over to WomenTakingTheLead.com forward slash accomplished to access the secrets to achievement and success. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Andy Simon, who is a corporate anthropologist who helps executives see their companies with more observant eyes, achieve aha moments, and discover new and profitable opportunities. By applying the concepts, methods, and tools of anthropology to business environments, she turns observation into innovation and revitalizes businesses seeking growth. Andy is phd in Anthropology and a tenured professor in American Studies and Anthropology. She is the founder and CEO of Simon Associates Management Consultant and the author of On the Brink, a fresh lens to take business to new heights. Andy, that is just a little intro for everyone, so if you could, tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity to share it. It's really quite quite an impressive podcast. So I am an anthropologist, and I was a tenured professor of American studies at one uh, college, Ramapo College in New Jersey, and I was a visiting professor of entrepreneurship at Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, My career in um, and academics, was about for a decade, and I, I received my tenure, and then I was introduced to the banking industry when it was going through deregulation, and I was an expert in change, and I was really quite fascinated with how this organization, Citibank at the time, was trying to transform hundreds of thousands of people to become sales and service people and not simply attend, and in my curiosity, I ended up getting hired as a consultant for them. And I spent 15 years in financial services as an executive helping companies change and seven years in healthcare doing the same as healthcare went through managed care. My um, particular intention is I like organizations that are going through um, environmental changes in their business and are trying to figure out how to adapt. To survive or thrive and quite frankly right now it's a very prosperous time because everyone is trying to look at the speed of change and figure out how to get adapted to it before it, it, it adapts them you have a wonderful question though that you had asked me was how does it relate to the challenges that I faced with men um, as a woman and um, would you like me to think about that and comment on yes
1: yeah, certainly Andy
0: um, because I often share with people that my grandmother was a professional And she had a family firm that she had grown, and my father and mother also participated in, but my mother and my grandmother were extremely strong role models. And so I was glad you had that woven into the question, Jody, because when you have such strength in your daily conversations, you begin to build a sense of how women um, can grow businesses and how they can deal with men in different kinds of both executive and management and administrative roles. So I was um, particularly excited about how they left me ready to rock and roll as I moved out on my own. I never thought about men at all, quite frankly. It was like onwards we go. And and, and it was just, you know, off you go. And so it was fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. I found that a lot of women who have found success, you know, will say to me, you know, because – Different people have different experiences in the workplace with men. Some people have like a bad experience and I've had guests share their bad experiences. And I have some who are like, I don't let it phase me you know like you know like ignorance you know or or pretending ignorance sometimes is is the way to go and there are others who are like you know I just don't let it phase me they're just guys being guys it's kind of like brothers you know that sort of thing everyone has their own different experience and wow Andy what really jumped out at me because when you talked about the banking deregulation I was in mutual fund operations during all of that and then when you say you then jumped into healthcare <laughs> It was like, wow, this woman likes to be in the thick of things. And that's the impression I get of you
0: when things are falling apart i just walk in quietly and try to create some order out of the chaos but there's also process there um, they 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 quite frankly are disrupted by it because the changes are unsettling you know they they're they're surprised by it they have good habits that aren't useful anymore the things that made them successful don't seem to be valued anymore you can almost hear the different hurdles they're going to have to overcome and and it's not hard when you're not st- it. So, yep, you're right. I enjoy that.
1: <laughs> I love it. And we're definitely probably going to get into it a little bit more. But where I like to start, everyone, Andy, at this point is, before we really take off into the interview, is that human moments. You and I had a brief conversation before we hit record, and we, we both laughed how, you know, my thesis um, for my master's was on evolutionary psychology. Here you are, a corporate anthropologist, and we both are fascinated by human beings. Right. And we talk about people in terms of being human beings. And there is a common human moment we all experience, which is the playing small moment, the moments when we we just don't realize we're oblivious to how capable and powerful we are. And so we hold ourselves back till Something happens. There's some intervention or some realization, and then we start changing. But until then, we're kind of stuck and we're playing small. So, Indi, if you could share with us your playing small story and the lessons you've learned from it.
0: Well, this was a um, a situation. And, and you're playing small is an interesting metaphor for thinking about it, but I'll share it, and hopefully it'll provide some insights. I was hired by a financial service organization as an executive uh, by the president who I knew as um, a colleague and a friend, and my job was to be his successor. And I quite naively thought the story he told was that he was going to retire in five years and my job was to right-set this organization uh, because it really was a mess um, beyond one's imagination. The examiners had just arrived. We had to rebuild our whole data system. Um, It didn't matter whether it was the checking side or it was the loan side. Everything needed to be redesigned. And so I did it. And I successfully managed to um, merge it into its parent. And my mind was on the succession of taking this organization from bad to great. Um, And then one day after having succeeded and having gotten all sorts of kudos and public um, recognition and stock and money, um, the president says, I've decided not to retire and there's no room for you and me. So you're out of here. And I'm not sure if that's a small moment, but that was when I said, oh, man, there's a lesson to be learned big time here about what people say, what they really mean. What doing well and good really can turn into, and that linear line from having achieved and accomplished some amazing things, turns from um, kudos to uh, jealousy, envy, and hate. It was the only way I could shift the story fast enough. And um, and you can do a male-female kind of story here, but at the end of the day, I learned a lesson about storytelling which is a much more profound one, which is we tell the stories, so we're the hero in it. And as I listened to my own story, I was the hero in that story. And I'm not sure two heroes can live in the same box very well. And he was the hero in his story. And there wasn't room for both of us. And so I was gone. And then I began to realize how the stories that we tell create a reality that we live in. And I had to be careful what story I was telling. And that was the sort of aha moment, which was, I'm not going to be a second story. I'm going to be a first story. I just got to find the right places to be the first story in because I'm much happier being the only as opposed to trying to compete for space with another. And uh, it took me a little while to craft it and finally get out onto my own business. But it was one of those aha moments that you and I were talking about, Mm -hmm. which changed the way my brain operated. It was like, wow, off I go.
1: Yes, and I think you know I've definitely come across a lot of entrepreneurs who suddenly realized the corporate environment was not for them. I know there there tends to be sometimes this like you know, hate against corporate America and how entrepreneurship is the way to go. But I meet just as many people who are not fashioned for entrepreneurship as I meet entrepreneurs who are not fashioned for the corporate environment. It's about finding the place where you fit. And what I'm hearing in your story is you suddenly realized you wanted to be the hero in the story, you know, (laughs) that you were living. And so for you, entrepreneurship was the way to go.
0: And I say that modestly, but at the end of the day, you know, we talked about humans, people create stories in their head and then they sort the reality to conform to it. And um, and it's very important that you have the right story going on there, the visualization um, so that you're and this is for your own sake, so that you're living in a space where you're really doing well and having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a short trip through life. So, um, and I, I might've been thinking about being my own business, but at that moment I knew this was not an environment I wanted to play in too often.
1: You know, Andy, I, I completely agree. You know, you don't have to be humble about how you want to live your own life. I mean, you no apologies on that because in my own experience, I had a realization at one point in my corporate career where I realized I wanted to make big changes in the world. And I wanted to do it my way. And so the corporate environment, which had been so good to me for so many years, I'm definitely not going to bash it. It was so good to me. I, I realized like it wasn't where I needed to be anymore, right? It wasn't the right environment for the changes I wanted to make. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I pivoted. I mean, there were a lot of things going on at that time in my life. It's in looking back that I'm like, okay, all of this happened at the perfect time, but really... I wouldn't have been happy there for that much longer. It would have been too small. It would have been on somebody else's agenda. And so then it became clear to me the move I needed to make. And this is a great story for people who are out there and suddenly realizing like, hey, this isn't quite the same fit for me. And it could be work or something else.
0: Your story is a, a, exactly the ones I see all the time. You know, we it's a perfectly good journey to spend some of it in a large organization and learning all those dynamics. I think it leaves you with lots of, of learnings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question is, you have to take stock of who you are. I actually am interviewing CEOs, women CEOs, for a book I'm developing. And one of them left IBM. And now she's out on her own. And she, too, said to me, I thought I would be really happy as an entrepreneur, but I'm really looking back and wondering what I gave up in order to do that. I'm lonely. So to your point, not everybody is good out on their own. And uh, for others, it's a little lonely, but, boy, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Now, Andy, yes, I definitely want another aha moment from you, a different story. This one we kind of fashion as the wake up call story. You know, you're living life, you're going along, and then all of a sudden something hits you over the head. Or for some people, they say they're like, nothing hit me over the head. It's like the universe had to hit me time and time again. (laughs) It was a slow dawning. But in either case, there's always a moment where you're ready to take action. So if you could, Tell us what led up to your aha moment and then the steps that you took that led to your success.
0: That's a great question. And I, I look at this with some sadness because I was in a healthcare organization and it was 9-11 that was my um, my push. And um, during 9-11, I, uh, we had a man all of the communications and um, I, for people who were calling about their loved ones. And um, our particular institution didn't have many. There weren't many who were coming in. And yet we all had deep emotional transformation going on as we watched both the buildings go down and the stories that followed it. And so it wasn't hard uh, at all in some ways for me to say to my husband, who's a serial entrepreneur, this is a a moment to take stock of where we are and where we're going. And um, he's built several businesses, all very successfully. And he said, well, you've always wanted to be in business for yourself. Maybe this is a good time to do it. Uh, It was a great conversation about moments. And so I launched my business. And I wasn't quite sure what I was launching. And I had a wonderful PR guy, a really great PR guy. And John listened to me and said, Andy, you're a corporate anthropologist who helps companies change. And I said, Ingo, and he said, that's what it is. I said, there aren't any. I mean, if you Googled it, you know, 15 years ago, corporate anthropology didn't really exist. Nobody was searching for it. Um, But that's, in fact, what I was. That's what I had spent 20 years developing inside corporations. And most of my expertise was in helping them grow through change. And so the positioning was absolutely spot on. And then I picked up clients almost Out of the starting gate, Markel Paper, Centenary College. Uh, I had Atlantic Health System, Montefiore Medical System, another manufacturing company. And next thing I knew, we had a full book of business around something that no one quite knew what they were hiring, but they knew they had to change. So nobody really hires me because I'm an anthropologist. They come because they're on the brink and they're not quite sure how to get out of the stall point. And our job is to help them see, feel, and think in new ways. And after 15, 16 years of doing it, I can only tell you that I get great joy watching them take what appears to be an insurmountable problem, quietly begin to assess it, step out and look at it. Next thing you know, off they go. And so that's that's a little bit of my aha moment.
1: Yeah. And that's amazing. What I, you know, what's really important to recognize is how much companies need someone like you, because my experience, you know... Working with different companies is they're trying to get the most out of their employees, right? So a lot of companies aren't hiring as quickly, you know, they're kind of stretching. Their people, like whenever I talk to somebody who works, especially in the banking industry, they're just like, we're so busy. We're so busy. We're so busy. It's like it's almost stressful to talk to them about how busy they are. And organizations who are that short staffed or stretching their people to the the brink, they don't have time to talk about change or look at the long vision. They're so busy with the day to day. They need someone like you to come in and almost interrupt what's going on.
0: I tell people if you want to change have a crisis or create one because by and large the brain hates to change it just simply creates chemistry in there that in the prefrontal cortex when it's learning something new that says stop I don't want to do this and then there are herds we're herd animals as you know we prefer to be in a culture where we share common values simple symbols and beliefs and we will share them as the ship goes down because we truly believe that is what is the way we do things here and how we do it. And then the habits take over and you're very efficient. If all day long you do exactly the same thing. So to your illustration, um, most people would be perfectly happy going through the daily life, efficiently getting a paycheck and finishing and, and the world, the environment banks, for example, are facing a blockchain that could transform the whole transaction process. And if they don't start to pay attention, someone's going to come along and eliminate the need for banks. And uh, so there's lots of very powerful technology coming that's creating the need to stop and and really rethink what you're doing. We're working with service companies today who are all rethinking whether it's law or CPAs or the technology. KPMG has a new technology that will allow you to do audits automatically. So what do I need an auditor for? So lots of cool stuff coming, but uh, you're right. They're very busy, but they have to stop.
1: Yeah, change is happening so fast. And if you don't stop and take stock of what's happening, you're going to get lost. Absolutely. (laughs) And Andy, you alluded to it a couple of times, but I want to hear in your own words, um, a description of your leadership style, because you probably see this all the time with young leaders who are coming coming up. They're trying to figure out who they are as a leader. And sometimes we can get caught trying to emulate a leader we admire, not really thinking about how the fact that that leader might not share our personality or our strengths or or anything like that. So we take on a leader leadership style that might not be a good fit for us. So I always love to ask my guests about their leadership style so everyone listening can get a sense of how different one leader can be from another. So, Andy, how would you describe your leadership style?
0: So I'll do this two ways. My own style is very much of an entrepreneur But um, I'm I'm very visionary, but I uh, like to empower people and enable them. And I like the ideas that come out. But entrepreneurs without process and controls and rules create chaos. And so I've learned over the years that you need to have the rules to structure the ideas and turn them into innovations. Ideas are not innovations. You need to have the processes. I'm also a good competitor. And, and I share that with you because it's sort of the priorities that I think about. I like people to win. And if you don't win, then it's really nice, but it's not going to get you anywhere. And more often than not, my clients come to us because they've stopped growing, winning, competing. And the last thing is how we do this is it has to be very collaborative, but it has to be sensitive to the different styles of people you have on those teams. Um, about 80% of America are family firms. And I, I am not a family firm executive coach, but there are lots of them out there. But family firms have their own dynamics and they often have so many family in the firm that they forget they're supposed to not just take care of the family, but also deliver the results, innovate and do it with good controls and process. So I like to think I'm a balanced leader with a strong focus on where we're going in a visionary kind of fashion, because unless I envision it, it's very hard for others to know what it is. And I make sure that they can begin to tell that story as well, because to a great extent, this is all about storytelling. Um, Just as an aside, for listeners who want to learn more about different leadership styles and the right ones for you and your organization, I use the Organizational Cultural Assessment Instrument developed by Kim Cameron and uh, Robert Quinn at at the University of Michigan. Um, And there's lots of places you can see it. Um, Google Scholars uses it a lot, uh, but they... The model there talks about the importance of leading around the center of these different styles of cultures, and it is very good to begin to see yourself. You can do a Myers-Briggs and see where you fit, but this is really about how do you take a culture and manage it or intentionally change it or grow it? Um, I taught entrepreneurship at Washington University in St. Louis and the entrepreneurs all said I had so many ideas, I needed a type A to give me the process to control them and organize them and make them into good business results. If not, man, I was just an idea minute. So you, you need to begin to follow and, and 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 develop it so that it's effective for what you need to do.
1: Oh, that is amazing, Andy. Thank you for that resource. I'm sure several people are gonna grab that. And But leading into that, because I want to talk about the work that you're doing. So let's highlight you for a little bit. What is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about?
0: On the one hand, the business is extremely good, um, but we've become uh, inbound marketers. We're HubSpot partners and uh, HubSpot and inbound marketing is a blue ocean of new concepts uh, we're finding a steady stream of clients coming to us and all of our clients. And my husband's opened up a whole division just for inbound marketing. Some people say is that digital marketing? Is that content marketing? It actually reflects the fact that buying things today, whether it's my services or those for others, um, is turned into search. What do people look for? What are the questions that they're asking? And Google has changed the platform, so it isn't simply about having your website on the front page. It's having the answers to those questions. And so our whole strategy for ourselves and our clients is to begin to help them realize that your business isn't about the product you make. It's about the questions people are asking, the problems they need to solve. And the very first thing they do is Google. Maybe Bing, maybe Yahoo, but Google has become the data junkie for all the answers to the questions you have. And so we're very excited about watching that grow because much of the work we do on change can't happen unless I can create demand for the new business or the new products or services. And often the demand is there already, um, they're searching for it. And if you can get down into keyword platforms and begin to understand what's hot, what's not, you can begin to serve those people searching with good solutions. And uh, I think it's a very exciting time. It also means you got to tell your story multimedia style. So we've developed everything from uh, cartoon videos to real videos to short videos, long videos, podcasts, mm-hmm. um, audibles, everything has to be multimedia. An omni-channel, and I find that the kind of for our own business, if that's the changes that are creating an ongoing transformation of what we do and how we help companies change.
1: That's amazing, and I, I love your strategy, Andy, too. Because marketing, there's so many different layers to marketing, and what I heard and what you said was you're going to a deeper level of marketing of not just providing the solution to a problem, but also providing the explanation. to the problem, and then the solution.
0: Yes. Yeah. And 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 that's, I mean, when you begin to look at what people are asking, they've gone past the single word keyword or the double word. Sometimes they do that. But sometimes they put a whole thought into a Google search, as I find myself doing, and up comes a whole lot of answers, not just websites I can go to. So there's something to pay attention to as the algorithms begin to give us Um, The deep analytics. Many of my clients are discovering predictive analytics. It's a different angle on the same thing. Um, And so just a bit of sidebar to that, we're beginning to get more in depth around how the 2080 rule and Pareto is uh, changing as your analytics are becoming more uh, systematic and predictive. And uh, as one client we're working with may find that 5% of his business, uh, 50% of his business comes from 5% of the things they do. Um, it's, there's lots of really good big changes that are coming. So I love those things because the changes are coming. Um, but many people don't quite know what is this and you know, what do I have to get rid of that whole thing that I'm doing? Cause nobody's paying attention to it. So it's interesting times. Mm-hmm.
1: And on the flip side of things, Andy, what would you say is the biggest leadership or business challenge that you're currently faced with?
0: Well, um, the thing that we find is is that we need to make sure, and I say this because it's a business challenge in a particular fashion. You said something earlier about how people were so busy they have no time. We need time. Um, Thought walks generate 60% more creative energy in your brain than sitting in a room trying to think of a solution. Um, We make sure every 90 days we go away. And uh, in January, we went to Tanzania. I'm working in Mexico this month, and we're going to meet down there for an extra four days. My husband and I make sure we take time that's quiet time, a quiet mind, learns better, thinks better. And the stuff we come up with when we go away, dark, is so powerful that we've realized that that's a balance to the daily work. And it isn't vacation, it's thinking time, it's quiet time, and sure, it's tourist time, but uh, I will tell you that it provides a fresh perspective on where we're going and how to deliver the kind of services that our clients need and why it's so valuable and why we're doing so well and enjoying it at the same time.
1: I love it. All right, Andy, now I'm gonna ask you some quick questions. So in a sentence or two, What is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader?
0: Well, I try to listen um, and think about it outside in. Uh, It is easy to impose our own values on people, um, but they really can't tell you very much about what they feel and how they're doing it. They're good storytellers. And if we listen to the stories well, it will give us the information we need to, um, to lead. And I, I often think that as a consultant, you're a very different kind of leader um, because you have to get other people to empower you to help them. And that requires a lot of comfort and, um, and confidence on their side. So leading in a consultative way is a very important, powerful role to play. Um, But I often think of Henry Ford's quote as one of those that keeps me going. If I had asked people how to improve their transportation, they would have told me to make their horses go faster. And I will tell you that we're horse people. We've oxened for 25 years. Horses aren't going to go any faster. Um, But nobody really wanted a a four-wheeled horse, and he took a lot of effort to get those to be embraced And so if I ask my clients, what can I do to help you? What's your pain point? Oh, we're fine. And then you start to listen to their stories and you find out they're not so fine. So my second favorite quote is by Marcel Proust. The real voyage of discovery is not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And that's where if we see it, we hear the stories and we begin to hear what's really going on. And observational research lets you see things nobody knows they're actually doing. Uh, they'll tell you what they think they're doing or what they want you to hear, and then you watch, you videotape them, and it's not anything like what they thought. So the, the complexity of leading in a consultative engagement means that we've got to build trust, and they've got to be able to start to test the stories and become collaborative with us. So it's a, it's a really cool place to take. And
1: what advice would you give your younger self?
0: Oh, my younger self. What a great question. I think I'm still younger self. Um, and so my, my younger self is keep going. Um, this is a, an adventure. Um, anthropologists, we tinker and we try and we fuss and we don't really know what's going on. And sometimes we fail and we pivot And so my younger older self says, just keep trying stuff. It's so much fun to explore. It's an adventure and people need a hand. And every time I I do 50 workshops, I have 50 booked for this year. Every time I'm in front of CEOs and they have an aha moment because of the exercises and stuff we put them through, it's just celebratory, but I don't know where we're going with it. And so I'm an adventurer who tinkers and, and tries, and I would urge people to tinker and try and test and all of a sudden they'll have an aha moment too.
1: Love it. And Andy, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you.
0: Well, I guess as we finished on the brink, I got the same question. And I said, so we take observation into innovation. It's sort of our mantra. Um, I'm not quite sure that that's exactly a personal one, but it is really the one that drives every day. Of what are we seeing? How do we use it? Where do we take it? So I, I'm not quite sure if that's my mantra, but that is I'll I'll tell you something interesting. We were in uh, Tanzania. We went to a Maasai village. We spent a day uh, visiting with the Maasai. Maasai herd their cattle all day long. And um, all I kept hearing from them is that this is good. This is good. And I don't have any interest in surviving on cow's milk and blood and walking miles and miles and miles. But for them, it was good. And I I do think that what we are doing is remarkably uh, fortunate. And these are good times. And it is good.
1: It's good. I love that. And lastly, Andy, what is the best way for this community to connect with you?
0: Well, my website is uh, simonassociates.net and uh, info at simonassociates.net is perfect. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and the you can just Google Simon or Andrea Simon and uh, Corporate Anthropologist comes up as well. Um, and I'm not sure how they can find me off your podcast, but I have a hunch it's going to be at the bottom of that as well.
1: Yes. And, you know, for those of you who are listening, All of the resources, the links that Andy shared in this episode is going to be at womentakingthelead.com and there will be a search bar at the top and you can just type in Andy and she spells it A-N-D-I and her show notes page will come right up and it'll have all of those links there for you. And Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you.
0: Hey, thank you, Jody. Great questions. Great conversation. Thank you so much. Before we say goodbye, I want to give a huge shout out to Millie
1: Welsh at Zebra lub Web Solutions. She does the hosting for the Women Taking the Lead website, as well as the SEO and payment solutions. So if you need help with any of these things, contact Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com. Again, thank you for joining me and here's to your success.